Oh, I'm good. <laughs> oh, that's something else. May peace, grace, and mercy of Jesus Christ be with you always. Amen. Unlike most Lutherans who were Lutheran since they were infants, I am a convert from what is far different from mainline Lutheranism. My father was raised Pentecostal and self-subscribes to non-denominational. My mother was raised Southern Baptist. Both of them are irreligious, but their understanding of what it means to be a Christian is based on the traditions that they came from. And growing up, we went to a United Methodist Church on Christmas and Easter. I was christened at the age of three months old, but my real introduction into Christian teaching that stuck with me came from my Pentecostal grandparents. At the age of 12, I was taught about the rapture and how I must be prepared for the day to come or I would be left behind. And it was important to note for me, according to my grandparents, that the day was imminent. Christianity was sold to me as post-life insurance. If you want to make sure to have a good life after death, make Jesus part of your investment portfolio before it's too late. I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. I watched Left Behind movies. I watched televangelists, including Pat Robertson. I remember going to a faith healing with my grandmother and watching her and others fall on the floor, speaking in tongue, and watching so-called miracles be performed. And in my early high school years, I would walk to a nearby evangelical non-denominational church on Wednesday evenings for youth service. Needless to say, I was young and I thought of myself as a religiously conservative evangelical Christian. <clears throat> now you guys are probably wondering how did I go from that to this? Um, yeah. What a background. Well, long story short, uh, being gay put a hole in all of that. Um, and after leaving the institutional church for three years, the Episcopalians grabbed me in college. <laughs> um, I thought I then thought of myself as theologically liberal and on the better side of Christianity. <laughs> then I went to seminary. And amid discussions in class, I realized that I'm actually still quite conservative when it comes to some of my theology. Things from my past stuck, <laughs> but it looked differently as a Lutheran. While I no longer thought that the world had to get worse and worse for the second coming to happen, I believe in a faith that is disciplined, structured, with rigid practice, meaning that I do not dare to think outside of the scope of what Catholic tradition has declared orthodox. And if I have doubt, I go back to Mark 9:24, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When it comes to speaking of theology, I typically do not speak of relative truth, rather I tend to speak of absolute truth. 
When I think of the life of the world to come, I affirm that the only way to the Father is through the Son. Then I go through, sorry, then the liberal in me goes through theological hoops trying to make that absolute truth as inclusive as possible. When it comes to scripture, I'm willing to not read it simply at face value, but I constantly worry about hindering it when, uh, when I bring stuff outside of scripture to scripture. And if I feel as if I have experienced God outside of traditional means, I feel as if it needs to be affirmed in some way by scripture. As a Lutheran, the conservative part of me feels guilty if I preach gospel without preaching law. Uh, as a progressive Christian, I believe in open communion, but the conservative in me wishes for everyone coming to this, to this table to be prepared to partake in what is nothing less than the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the divine forgiveness of sins in a cup. As you can imagine, my liberalism and my conservative upbringing that still abides in me can uh, crash and conflict with each other from time to time. However, sometimes I feel as if they fit well together. For example, if you take Christian tradition seriously and the Bible seriously, you have to affirm, you have to affirm to be charitable. You can't get around that. So that's an example. I also like to think that due to my wide background, I may have a fuller understanding of Christian thought. So when I read our gospel lesson for today, I had one of those moments. When I first read the gospel lesson, the words, do not be afraid, from now on, you will be catching people, stood out to me. The reason being was because a different translation is, a fisher of men, which was a verse that stood out to me in my evangelical years, which was to say that as Christians, we are to go into the world to, quote-unquote, convert people. We are to go out into the world to save souls, have people accept Jesus into their hearts, that is how the story goes. And while that theology came to mind, that is not exactly my theology. Sharing faith? Yeah. Trying to convert as many people as possible? Not quite. But a second reading of the text didn't give me that theological insight. Instead, my liberalism peaked through because I was reading the verse within the broader context of the entire story. Within the story, I saw law and gospel. I saw what it means to be a Christian. The conservative in me saw inner conviction and guilt that brings a person to Christ. And the liberal in me didn't read a calling for converting the masses, but saw overflowing grace that calls for grace to be multiplied outward. I saw a glimpse of God's kingdom unfolding on earth. So, I would like to paraphrase the story. And before I paraphrase the story, I want each and every single one of you to think of someone that you have wronged. Now, if you have someone in your mind, I want you to keep that person in your mind. So don't switch it to someone else because you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with that one. <laughs> like, keep it in your mind. <laughs> Take a moment and think about what you have done to that person and how that person feels or felt because of your actions.
Now, tapping to some of my evangelical history, think about what you may deserve from that. Think of the punishment that you should endure for your actions. Should you be grounded, put in time out, <laughs> hated, despised, not talked to? And now you're Simon. You're hungry and poor. You seem to have zero luck in the world, and you are overridden with guilt. Your car just broke down, and after a long day of waiting tables and getting very little tip money, you walk home. You try to relax by pulling up a chair and going on Netflix, but you cannot get logged on because you are leeching off someone else's account and they changed the password. That is just the cherry on top of the day, and you've had it. You have found yourself in a self-pity mood and do not see much worth in yourself right now. You are thinking that you deserve every inch of bad luck that you have been given due to all the people that you have disappointed and or hurt. You see very little in yourself, and you ponder if you are going to amount to anything in life. Then you hear the phone ringing. You're thinking, why can't I just be left alone? By the fourth ring, you decide to pick it up because you are just simply tired of hearing it ring. And it's your boss, and he's telling you that the restaurant is suddenly crazy busy, and he needs your help. You don't want to go, you don't want to go help since the restaurant is full of customers that don't even tip 15% on discounted food. But you go anyways. Since you have to walk to work, it takes you a a while. By the time you get there, the restaurant is about to close, and you're wondering why he even called you in. But there was one table unassigned to a waiter or waitress, so the boss gives it to you. You proceed to the table of one. You're surprised that when asking, how are you this evening? The guests didn't cut you off with their, or, or, with their order. You are even more surprised that he gave you a genuine answer, not, I'm fine. And in return, he asked how your day was. You, a waiter, are surprised that this stranger genuinely cares about how you feel. He's not asking and expecting you to simply say, I'm fine, when you know you're not fine. However, out of wanting to get through the shift, you say, I'm fine. He knows you're BSing, and he simply orders a cup of coffee. You walk away, roll your eyes because you walk to work for what will probably be a $1 tip. You come back to the table with a cup of coffee and the check. In exchange, he hands you $1,000 and tells you to keep the change. $1,000 may not be a lot to some people, but for you, that is rent money, maybe a car repair, and if it covers both of those things, maybe you can even get your own Netflix account. <laughs> you are overfilled with joy, but there is a wave of sadness that hits you. Like the saying that goes from the book, Perks of Being a Wallflower, You accept a love that you think you deserve. This love is love that you feel as if you do not deserve. 
You equate your misfortune with all the harm you have done in your life. You reflect on the person that you have brought pain towards, and you fully believe that you don't deserve this. You then think to yourself that you cannot accept this money, and you say to the man, Take this money and leave. I do not deserve it. But the man did not give you money, thinking that you were genuinely fine. He gave you money because you were not fine. And instead of taking back his money, he pushed it back towards you and told you to do likewise. The law pressed onto Simon. The law told Simon that he was a sinner that was undeserving of grace, and the, and the gospel overflowed the heavens and called him. Jesus gave Simon a calling to go out into the world to be a fisher of people. Simon, the man that just confessed sin cannot pay rent and is leeching off a Netflix account was just told to go out into the world and be a life coach for others. Being a fisher for people looks like Jesus fishing for Simon, and it looks like Jesus fishing for you. Seeing you authentically for who you are, and then calling you as you are. As Simons, we are called to confess sin. We are expected to run away from God's grace. And God is going to say, shut up, I love you. I call you, and I expect you to extend my love to others. So the conservative in me and the liberal in me is going to tell you that this love that God has for you should not be hoarded. It should be extending. You choose to come here every Sunday. And I like to think that this place or this book, wherever the Bible is right there, <laughs> I like to think that this place or this book gives you a sense of fulfillment. Don't hoard it. This, is, this does not mean knocking on strangers' doors and asking, can I talk to you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And it most certainly does not mean using Christianity as post-life insurance. What it means is charitableness. It means cleaning a temple of another religion when someone vandalizes it. It means forgiving people of their trespasses against you. It means it is extending what Christ has given you to others. And if someone wants to hear about your faith, or they just simply ask, why are you so optimistic about good fortune happening in this world? Why do you think that the light will always conquer darkness? Say, you know a man named Jesus. So at this time, I would like everyone to take a dice. Is it dice or dive? It's one. Die. Okay, I, want, I, want, I want to take a die. That sounds somewhere. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, wow. I promise this is pretty serious. Okay. So, when I asked Pastor Steven to get die, I'd imagine they have the small black and white ones, but I think Pastor Steven is just more festive than me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
might be a bit hard to roll, but on the bright side, if it goes on the floor, it'd be easy to find. So, roll the die. Roll it? Yep, roll it. Alright, whatever number you got, just remember it. Okay, so, if you rolled a 1, a 2, a 3, a 4, a 5, or a 6, so any number, <laughs> you are called by God. Okay, you are called to be a fisher of people. I knew you were going to say something really profound. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot get out of it. You don't have any legitimate excuse, as sad as that can be at times. You are called by God with all that you bring to that role. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.